you need the summer in Alabama to grow things, no question about it. But we always look forward to fall's arrival, and this year is no exception. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of October 13, 2011. I'll start out by saying tomorrow, happy birthday, Lee. Happy birthday to you. That's By right. An we accident have... of nature and romance, we have the same birthday. That's so. right, which is October 14th. So uh, anyway, we are celebrating a little early because, as you said in your uh, opening statement, we are so happy to see the arrival of fall. It's finally, this past week, been feeling like fall, um, even though the calendar said fall several weeks earlier. <laughs> Didn't feel that way. But um, this past summer has been so blisteringly hot that we're just glad to have some cool, and, and the, the past few days, moist air. It does seem that we're heading into a dry spell, but um, still. Yeah, there are several days on the, the extended forecast during which we have zero chance of rain. Yeah. So uh, we fully expect things are going to get really dry mm -hmm. during that time. But yeah. you're right. We've had some rain, and we've had a relief from those hot temperatures, and it has been pleasant. It has. And we've... We went on and on during the summer about how hot and dry it was. And, of course, our situation is nowhere near as bad as our neighbors in Texas and Oklahoma. Right. Where they are continuing to suffer from a drought. But um, it was hot and dry here, no question about mm -hmm. it. The um, We've noticed that overall, Veg Hill is slowing down in its production, although I will mention a couple of notable exceptions. Um we, just to give you a green bean update after our podcast last week when we talked about all the beans we had, we still have a lot of green beans. And what I've noticed even more in a more pronounced manner the past couple of days is that the Kentucky Wonder Beans are still producing and they're producing quality green beans. Nice uh, fat beans yeah, with firm nice peas mm -hmm. in them. Yeah. Yes. And that the rattlesnake beans, which seemed to love it during that hot weather, they just thrived. Um, they, they're still producing, but what we're getting are, um, you know, kind of pods thin and, thin and pods that have, and of course, all of it's subject to, I've seen stink bugs everywhere out there. So I know that we have some insect damage, but m most of it is, I do, they seem to be just responding to the change in the weather. I, that's my guess. Uh, the pods are thicker, they're um, and they're tired. They've had a, a long, tired, hard right? summer. <laughs> and they've produced very well for us. So um, the other day when I went out and picked what I think will be one of my last main crops, at least of the rattlesnake beans, uh, I just made sure I picked only smaller, um, more tender pods that we hope will still be good and may not do any more, probably won't do any more canning. But... Um, but we did get in one last burst yes. of canning this week. Uh, why don't we jump down and yeah, talk yeah, about Yeah, yeah, we uh, had a, a set of visitors. The Hughes family from Huntsville came down to visit, and we really enjoyed them. Shout out to them. Uh, and they helped us with our canning project. Joel Hughes is an advocate of permaculture and the transition movement, and 
he and I and you and he, um, all three of us connected online and realized we had a great deal in common. So we eventually uh, decided that it made all the sense in the world for Joel and his family to come down and see what we were doing here just mm-hmm. so we could compare notes. And it was a delightful visit. Right. Joel and Deborah and Sam and Laura, their children, um, just wonderfully uh, joined in with everything we were doing. They really did. They were su- such uh, a help to us, really, in their visit. And one thing we did was we put up 14 more quarts of green beans. And Sam and Laura were major participants in that. They they helped. Um, so that was a lot of yeah, fun. It was a lot we had of a good fun. time. And I learned a lot from Joel because he's very knowledgeable. I learned a new term, Hugel culture. And I'll put a link to it on the show notes. But the idea is using uh, piles of woody waste that have uh, been put together in the forest and use them as growing spots for new plants. Um, not sure it's going to work real well for us because there's no way for us to protect them from the deer, but it's a great idea. It is so. a great idea. And the other thing that we've noticed is that where we tend to have piles of woody mass, um, there's also very little sun coming in. Right. We would have to forest. sort of re-engineer those piles in order to have a chance at, at uh, decent Hugel culture, but... Who knows? We may try it sometime. We may try it. That's right. So it was a great a great visit. But that was, we were talking about the green beans. Yeah. And, and, um, and the fact that. This has been the summer when we haven't been waiting for Godot. We've been waiting for your lima beans. <laughs> That's right. Um, along with the, on the same row with the green beans, I have planted a good many lima beans. And I had such good success with lima beans last year into fall even. And this year. And I've reported on this in some of the podcasts because there was one type of lima bean plant in particular that was a problem in this respect. They put on a lot of green foliage right away. I mean, right out, they were bang out of the ground. And in fact, that was the one of them was the plant that you look out the window. We can see it from the apartment and you're saying it looks like Audrey too from right. the Shop of Horrors. Right. Well, it's done nothing pretty much but that all summer. And then the other beans, for which I had so much hope, uh, Violet's multicolored lima beans, that's what I planted last summer and had great success with. Lately, they too are just going crazy with foliage, and I'm not even seeing any lima beans. And when I do, their pods are empty or they're, you know, bug-eaten or something. It's just very disappointing. The foliage issue is reminiscent of what happened with our okra this year early as well, early in the season, which is, oh yes, right now, you know, the foliage is dropping off as okra does as it gets taller, the, the, the older leaves drop off and it's, it's performing in a more normal okra manner. But early on, the lima beans had, I would say, proportionately too much foliage, so did the okra. The difference I can report is that last year I planted both of those crops, the lima beans and the okra, in our just poor soil that we have here. I mean, I think when I put the seeds in, I may have put like a little scoop of some compost mixed in, but basically that was it. They, When they dug their roots down, they got to our native poor soil. This year, we planted both of those crops in compost, and I think in the case of the lima beans, we actually had that froggy bottom. Um, yeah, and the okra too. We had used froggy bottom uh, soil. So your concern that is that they are responding to the high quality of the soil, i.e. 
plentiful nitrogen yes by putting on lots of foliage and then not setting fruit and it's that second that corollary that i'm still not sure about yes they clearly put on more foliage than we were accustomed to seeing them do but i'm not sure that's going to keep them from setting fruit well i had some fruit earlier in the season from both both sets of um plants that were from the uh, violets multicolored lima mm-hmm. beans the others really didn't do well um i'm going to give you a corollary maybe a, a a possible alternative explanation okay it's possible that that early heat and drought we had if you remember june was like july and yeah, august it was that that was the time when the lima beans were ready to set they missed that time because it was so hot, and they never recovered by way of setting fruit. That is certainly possible. And, and you know, I'm, I'm here to tell you, as a master gardener, I know that there are several possible explanations. And because I, have, I couldn't control either of those conditions, um, and I, I can't tell you exactly what caused it. But when I say either of those conditions, the soil... I didn't, you know, I didn't do a control group, in other words, an experiment. This year, let me plant one set of lima beans in native soil and one pl- in the uh, compost. Then I could have said, oh, the weather made, you know, it was all the right. weather or something. But right. I can't tell you that. And all I know is that next year, what I want to try is going back to what I did last year with a little less built up soil, a little less amendment to the soil. And, um, I, of course, We've said this about everything out there, plant it earlier, because I have had more problems with bugs, too, this year. The tomatoes are still producing. We're still getting, still bringing in tomatoes, yes. but they seem to be slowing down They're now. slowing down, but have you been out there and looked at all the green tomatoes I that have. are erupting? Yeah, they're, they're still setting fruit, and we're still getting ripe tomatoes, so. Right, ripe, and, and what I did the other day was pulled several green ones that looked either as if they were about to change or were near the ground where they might get eaten. Um, I'm going to keep pulling green tomatoes in hopes that they will turn, and they usually do with no mm-hmm. trouble. Um, and, as, and then right before the first frost, my plan is anything that's left on the plant, I'm just going to pull it. There's yes. no reason to let it sit there and get Absolutely. Let's bring it in before that killed. first frost. Because yeah. we know from experience, first frost, no matter how light... The tomatoes are done. They're done. That's right. But uh, anyway, so we do have some tomatoes, and the cher- the cherry tomatoes have definitely slowed down, but we do have some of those. Um, okra, I mentioned that it's tall. It's probably 12 feet tall now, right? And it's still producing. And as I recall, the okra will survive a light frost. Possibly. It's definitely, because it's been chillier, it has slowed down yes. over its prolific nature during the summer. But what we've noticed is continuously we have these gorgeous okra blossoms. I know. There's just nothing prettier than an okra blossom. I know. We, you know, every now and then we'll look out and say, man, look at those okra blossoms. Because they only flower in the early morning. Mm -hmm. You know, by afternoon those flowers are sort of closed in a little bit. They're trying to protect themselves from the heat, I guess. But 
Although there hasn't been as much heat lately. True. So. But, but they, they do tend to flower in the morning, so yeah. you've got to get out there early to see them. But, you know, so there's still plenty of okra to feed us for a while, and I've tried freezing some. We'll see how well that does, too. Um, we have sun hemp out there, our, our remaining cover crop from summer. It's flowering nicely, and I notice it's even bushing out more. It looks, yeah, it, it makes a statement when you look out there. Plentiful yellow flowers, and those little yellow flowers on the sun hemp are quite pretty and are attracting some pollinators. So I'm, I'm cool with the sun hemp flowering. I was very concerned about it that last year because I was concerned that the sun hemp might be setting seed. But we are continually reassured by everybody who understands sun hemp not to worry. It is too far north for it to set seed. Do, you know, just quit worrying about it. And so I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and soon it will get clobbered. Uh, the first frost will take the sun hemp out. So I guess what I'll probably do just to increase the biomass potential for the soil is I'll probably cut it off when we know there's a frost coming. Right, and we'll be planting a fall cover crop soon, we hope, anyway, so we'll update you about that when that happens. We have We have planted as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, some fall veg, one entire row. Have not row put nine. my except I haven't put my garlic in yet, and that's got to be done Is probably that what's early going next in at week. The bottom of row nine. Yes, okay. and that will be early next week. I already have taken possession of the garlic, and it'll go in toward the end of October. Um, what I have noticed that unfortunately, some critter has eaten. Entire cabbage plants that I had out there. And, of and course let us remind you, this is inside the deer fence enclosure. Yes. So this is some critter who is able to climb or burrow under the fence. And it's just taken off at the, not, they haven't dug up the roots. It's taken off at the stem, at the ground level, no trace of the plant left. Probably about six or seven cabbage plants, maybe more than that, more like nine and what I did with the other day was go back in with some replacement plants and fill in, and we'll see how well those last. But what we've decided is that we must put that row cover. It's not, I don't see whatever critters out there at night, although I did find some um, feces, and we think possibly raccoon. It's a, it's a guess. A, it's a guess. And yeah. if it's a raccoon, all you're going to do with the row cover is establish that it's some critter big enough to rip the row cover. The row cover is not going to I act know. as a barrier. I, I know that, but you didn't let me finish my okay. thought, which is we also I know can from looking at them that we also continue to have grasshopper and uh, damage, and um, and the the row cover will help. It with will the help with that, and I've actually seen the grasshoppers out there, mm-hmm. and I'll see them when I walk out down that row. They're on the plants, and then they flutter away as you right. approach. Right, you flush them out when you, you walk flush down them out, row. But they're there, so yes, I may not be able to fend off raccoons if that's what our problem is. We do have a couple of traps we can try putting out there. But um, the row cover will help with the bug damage. So I've got a few more replacement plants I'm holding off until we have a day that we can just put the row cover down immediately after putting those plants in. And then um, hopefully we'll get good results like we did last year. I will say that a couple of the the collards and the Brussels sprouts seem to be resisting the bug damage. Mm -hmm. I'm going to knock on wood when I say that. Uh, The bug and whatever other varmint we have, uh, more so than some of the other plants. And the kale. Maybe maybe because kale is so curly and a little bristly looking. And a little bitter. It, and a little this bit. time of year, it, yeah. it it really needs a little bit of frost for the kale and, for that matter, for the collards to get 
sweet. Yeah, we so. haven't. The, actually, some of those collard leaves are large enough we could be harvesting and eating them, but we know that frost kissed will be better. So you we're bet. waiting. So we're waiting. Mm-hmm. We're not waiting to put in strawberries. I had a nice visit with Ann Randall at Hampstead Farm in Montgomery. Uh, she had a little workshop on backyard fruit production, and I attended it, and we had a good conversation, and she um, made strawberry tips available to any of us who wanted to take them, and I said, why, sure, and cut off some um, Chandler strawberry tips and brought them up here and put them in the ground. I'm not sure they're going to work. It, her suggestion is to plant those tips just barely into the soil, and I did that, and I'm not sure they're taking root yet. Well, we'll... We'll kind of keep an eye on those yeah. in report. Chandler, I'm glad it was Chandler because that seems to do really well here. <clears throat> um, I noticed that you've been out in the orchard some. You were definitely showing our guests around the other day. Training but not pruning. Arlie Powell up at Petals from the Past says I can keep pruning even this late in the year, but I'm skittish about it. I generally don't like to prune this close to the frost because I don't want to stimulate any new growth into the frost. So... I've generally been holding off pruning since about the middle of August, um, and I probably will at this point. Um, So, uh, you know, what I'm doing is training, meaning, you know, I'll tie something to the trellis line or something like that, but I'm not going to be clipping it. Okay, and uh, but some work that you have been doing in the orchard, I've seen you out there putting more ryegrass out. Uh, on the blueberry strip. I have not tried to spread ryegrass on the orchard floor, the orchard proper. Uh, floor, although I don't quite know why. It may be a good idea to do that, but you and Edzard are, have a plan for the orchard do, floor yes. uh, based on black oats, and so I and held off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, black oats and lupin, and I've held off spreading ryegrass in the orchard because of that, but y'all do need to get your... I know. We, we, that will be something to work on maybe next some, week or so. Um, black oats and lupin so we can get Absolutely. those out in the orchard. Uh, we have a, a big group coming. Well, I guess a medium-sized group coming. That's true. Um, next weekend, some students from New College at the University of Alabama will be visiting us as a part of a course they're taking. Along with their teachers, Emily and Sam, and we're looking forward to that. Right. There will be about six students and their professors and we and the two of us, that is, and, of course, Audie, our dog. <laughs> so we'll be um, doing some work projects around here and... They'll be camping out, and we'll be enjoying each other's company and hopefully helping them with their education a bit. Yeah, that I'm looking forward to seeing them, and we'll probably put them to work a little bit, which will be fun. Yeah, and we're taking some, uh, lately we've been taking regular walks around our property, which Boy, has been Boy, it sure nice. has been nice to be able to get out and see what's going on on the property. That's it, been really pleasant, and it's good exercise for the dog, too. He's a whole lot better company when he's exhausted. He just runs. He, oh, we spotted a deer the other day. He took out after it, but uh, no fear, deer. Nothing to fear. That, <laughs> he, he's a fast dog, but not as fleet of foot as you are. So you have nothing to fear from him. But uh, and, and, of course, this time of the year, the fall color is beginning to emerge, and it's just beautiful. We think over the next couple of weeks it will peak, and we'll really enjoy our walks that much more. I but agree. Yeah, it'll be fun. But we're just about out of time for today, so... We will say goodbye, have a wonderful week, and we will catch up with you next time. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. 
send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.